What's up, bikers? Welcome to episode 168 of the Biker Bar Podcast. Here we are, December 2023, almost Christmas. I'm I'm pretty stoked that we're uh, still at it 168 episodes later, getting ready to start into a new year. I'm excited about, about new things that are coming up. And today's guest we have is bike farmer if you haven't heard of him his channel is fairly new and recently um put out a video it went pretty viral or at least in in uh, it took off you know and and because of that channel kind of blew up so we're gonna chat with him and see what the secret to success is so that we all can follow it right outside of that those of you that guys that are on guys and gals everybody on patreon thank you i really appreciate all you out there you're really truly what makes this channel go. I um, I appreciate the support every week. Um, if there's somebody that signs up new, it, it feels really good to, to write that handwritten letter and send out that sticker pack. Um, if you're interested in helping out the channel, swing by there. If not, there's always Facebook and Instagram. Go over there, give me a follow, dig that as well. And those of you writing reviews on the podcast, thank you. Really means a lot. And that like takes a little bit of extra time and to write something meaningful and hit that five-star button, it, it, it feels good to me. So I appreciate everybody that's been over there writing writing those. I saw a new one just recently and I can't remember. I forgot to pull it up beforehand. So here I am, 168 episodes in, still not knowing how to podcast. But anyways, let's go ahead and bring Andy on, on and uh, we'll get started. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you? Dude, it is uh, eight o'clock in the morning out here in California is definitely early, <laughs> but yeah, I got my coffee. Good thing. Um, I, uh, I messed up a couple of years ago. I think it might've even been last year. I bought my wife an espresso machine and before I bought her the espresso machine, I really could give a shit about coffee. It was like, I could go to like Starbucks or I could go to the gas station and drink the powdered one. And I'd be like, this is good. They're both good. Yeah, and uh, the espresso machine like backfired on me because now I'm a coffee snob. I, I snob. I'll go to a sp- like Starbucks. And I'm like, I don't know if they really made this right. I'd rather drink it at home. <laughs> nice. So here I am. How about you? You a coffee guy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I I just do drip and I, I make it the night before, so it's ready to go in the morning. Mm. Um, my my wife is an author and i don't know this was when she was writing her book i don't know six years ago or seven years ago she used to set an alarm at 5 a.m every morning she'd get up and write from five to seven mm-hmm. i don't know what it was but i just haven't been able to sleep past five or six o'clock in the morning since so i'm an early yeah. bird and i just have coffee ready and i sit down and that's when i i just sit at my computer and i get a lot of stuff done right away in the morning so the pre-planning for for doing my i am such a procrastinator there's no way i can make coffee for tomorrow ahead of time <laughs> yeah no it's just the before bed routine grind it yeah let her rip yeah. and this program what, just hit the two buttons and what's your wife's book about uh well it's set here in the midwest um in in wisconsin uh small town wisconsin life um it was her first novel it's her debut novel um, she's been a magazine writer for a long time, local kind of stuff. Uh-huh. She's done a few nationwide things, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just life in a small town and, uh, you know, the stranger kind of rolls into town and a woman figures out that's the son that she 
gave up for adoption when he was one or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, and then there's another new family that moves into town at the same time and kind of everybody's lives intermingle and hilarious hilarity ensues. There Um, you go. But yeah, no, it's really, yeah, it's, it's a really good book. She, she won a big award. The Wisconsin library association voted it the um, fiction book of the year this year. So Right on. Um, a lot of traction there. And now you guys are like struggling on who's more famous in the house. Well, it is kind of <laughs> weird because like the last year of her life has been doing writing podcasts, you know, like she was like right. super stoked to get on this one, you know, writers on writing podcast. And it's yeah. like this, you know, and, um, and, you know, frankly, I'm like so new to this, all of this. This is just something I was like, I want to try it, see how it goes. And now I'm like, wait a second, what? <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean, I mean like, honestly, I, I mean, I, I'm super happy for you that you you had the the success that you had, and I think that um, it's kind of like a double edged sword because on, on one hand, if you kind of slow build, you 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 learn a lot of stuff along the way, you yeah. know, and you're kind of like you're 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 getting to know the community and you're getting to know like the ins and outs, and then on the other hand, like what happened to you where it's like, boom. Here it is. Then yeah. you're, you're you're like kind of having to fast track through a bunch of stuff. I'm sure. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah, it's it's um it's pretty weird, pretty bizarre. Um and uh, yeah, I'm loving it. I I haven't been this excited about work since mm-hmm. since starting the bike mobile six or seven years ago. That's my mobile bike shop. That's kind of uh-huh. the first good professional success in my life. Um, and that was the same sort of deal where I just like had this really good idea implemented it very quickly and then just hit the ground running and haven't looked back so hopefully the this stuff you know given the state of the bike industry today and the yeah. fact that everything has slowed down so much i'm really grateful to have found this opportunity here too so yeah i know when i first started youtube i um it was all i could think about and all i could like talk about i i, I remember somebody could come up to me and be like, so have you read the Bible lately? And I'd, I'd have a way to make that a YouTube conversation. You know? yeah. so I'd be like, well, you know, if he was on YouTube, you know, like, like I, I could tell everybody around me was like, if this guy doesn't shut the fuck up about YouTube, I'm over it. You know? Yeah. I know that, that's super funny. Um, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about being a YouTuber or whatever, you know, content creator videos. And uh, I think it's, Ali Abdal, I think is, uh, you've probably heard of that guy or maybe not. Uh Um, But he's like, nobody cares you're a YouTuber. None of your family, none of your friends. Nobody's going to understand it. Nobody cares, you know? And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's all I'm thinking about. And I just want to like go find good content or, you know, story ideas or talk about story ideas with people. And they're like, you know, or video ideas. Uh Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, it's even tough. Um, I, I can say when I, because uh, I, I do this podcast and then I have more of a POV kind of vlog style channel as well. And I even lost some some like writing friends over it because mm-hmm. they were just like, I don't want to deal with you you like filming. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't like it at all. And uh, they just were like, and to me, I was like, you know what? Honestly, like, I am so like head over heels in love with this, uh, this thing that I don't care. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Kind of. And then it, it's, you know, it's funny because almost all the people that I ride with now or a lot of them are, are all like friends that I've made through YouTube. 
Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's and um, where in California are you? I'm in Sacramento, so okay. uh, kind of a little bit a little bit out of San Francisco. I'm in between San Francisco and and basically Lake Tahoe. So um, awesome. It's, it's really cool here because we have you know a lot of good riding around us and then we have the high altitude stuff in the in the summertime and then this time of year then there's a lot of things down here in the lower elevation whereas you in wisconsin i'm you're pretty sure you're gonna get a uh, locked in by the snow here huh yeah i uh just set up my indoor bike day before yesterday of course mm -hmm. trying to turn it into a video i think it sucks i'm gonna have to like redo it or something i don't know mm -hmm. um but yeah i usually in January, February, and the early part of March, I'm, you know, it, it's really rare to get out. I kind of have a 40 degree rule. Um, mm -hmm. I'm pretty, it, I can do it under 40 degrees. I've ridden much colder than that, um, fat biking and whatever, but um, I don't really like it. And I really yeah. like road biking. I like to just be out in the middle of the country for hours and hours and hours. So that's pretty uncomfortable in the dead of winter. Um, but yeah, I'm with you there. I, it, I, I always like, kind of blamed it on being in northern california when i was younger I, i'm from pennsylvania originally and we would ride in the snow and in the winter and it, it didn't care it didn't matter to me then i was also yeah. a lot younger but now it's like pretty much exactly where you're at if it's below 40 i'm i'm not feeling it you know and yeah especially if you do anything with any kind of, of <laughs> downhill in it your hands right. just get unbelievably cold you can't feel your brake levers it's it becomes more painful than it is fun you know yeah right in, in my opinion so i'm with you there for sure so what um what made you decide to try the whole youtube game out in the first place um well that's an interesting question so in in 2020 um, both sides of my business. I have the mobile bike shop, the bike mobile, which I operate in Madison, which is a nice cycling community and keeps me very busy. And then I have my hometown bike shop, which is just this little thing. But with COVID, both just went crazy. And I had an employee that was here at the bike shop. I live upstairs. It's like literally right uh -huh. beneath me. Um, and he was like selling bikes and tuning up bikes and, you know, making money there. And I was making money in the bike mobile. And then I had all this money at the end of the season for the first time in my life. <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit, I can't go anywhere over the winter. Can't travel. Can't do anything. What am I going to do? And so I bought a couple of old cars. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to fix cars. And I bought a little oh, wow. lift and yeah. So I bought a, um, a diesel Mercedes, like a 78 diesel Mercedes. I converted it to run on vegetable oil, which is kind of fun project. Um, oh, wow. and then a couple other air cooled like Volkswagens and like a Porsche 914 and um, but I learned how to do all of it by watching YouTube and came across a couple of guys, like the guy from Mercedes source who literally built an entire business as a Mercedes mechanic or wizard guru guy off of YouTube. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you could do such a thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it just didn't even occur to me. It's kind of like the bike mobile, a mobile bike shop never even occurred to me. I didn't even know it was a thing until I thought right. of it myself. And then I looked into it. I'm like, Oh. Um, you're like i had this great idea and then you're like they're everywhere <laughs> yeah well and they're not i mean they are but they're not yeah um, yeah i mean maybe no, out like, there generally speaking like throughout yeah. the u.s they're everywhere <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they kind of are now um yeah. but anyway um so that's what got me interested in youtube basically right. as the cars and then started thinking about that and then 
I quickly learned that I don't like working on cars, that they're big and clunky and, and yeah. pain in the ass and expensive and stupid. And uh, so I got kind of got rid of all those, but then I got into watching acoustic guitars. There's one of them right there. Actually, that one is part of the story. And I was watching luthiers and it was just watch me work channels. So I was watching these guys repair and build wooden instruments and mm -hmm. was just captivated by it. I spent that whole winter just like watching YouTube wondering yeah. and then i bought and sold a couple of old guitars including this one which had has this very fancy bridge on it and it was uh -huh. broken and so one of the guys uh jerry rosa rosa Stringworks, is his channel um this guy in uh missouri real folky dude like yeah you know like in the middle of nowhere missouri in the ozarks um and yeah i don't know he would just talk the whole time um, and you'd watch him work and I was fascinated by it because he'd make progress and he'd, you know, all the times when he would sand, he'd just fast forward through those parts or, you know, kind of, oh, this is a real pickle. I need to step away from it. And it would pause and then come right back. And he'd say things like, well, it's two days for me, but one split second for you. But this is what yeah. I figured out. And you're like, oh, that's, and he would like take you along in the problem solving. And I was like, mm -hmm. man, this happens to me all the time fixing bikes. Like the last video I dropped, which is actually doing pretty well, um, I really struggled with the square taper bottom bracket length. And I'm like, does anybody actually know how to measure for this? Or is it just trial and error? I've always done trial and error, and it's maddening every single time. And I've only gotten one. It wasn't even a comment. No commenter has figured it out yet. But I did have a, like a friend of a friend kind of connection in Madison was like, hey, that guy, Evan, over at Budget Bikes, where I got my start, he's like, Evan knows how to do it. And this is how he does it. So I kind of learned. But anyway. Um, it's I, interesting, man, the the, uh, the crowdsourcing of information that you can get from having a channel. You well, know? yeah. I, I I say in a lot of my videos, let me know in the comments. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, God, I hate these comments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> be careful what you ask for. But yeah, yeah. anyway, I took this guitar to Jerry. Um, I was on I was on a road trip. I go down to Austin every year and ride a, a brevet, a mm -hmm. long distance randoneering event. And on the way, I dropped it off at Jerry's workshop and then picked it up. And so I got to meet the guy. It's my first, and it was like meeting a YouTuber. You know, right. I was like all starstruck. But I asked him, I'm like, how much do you make on this channel? And how many subs do you have? And like your views and so on and so forth. And I'm like, I'm a bicycle mechanic. If I bought a camera and started doing this, you think of be successful he's like absolutely he's like i don't know why you wouldn't do it mm -hmm. you know because i had the same setup he works at or he lives at his shop and has all this and, mm -hmm. and he does all this other farm stuff and whatever and um yeah and i'd already had the bike farmer account instagram mm -hmm. account so yeah yeah i think that um like like build because it you're talking about like a longer format and not mm -hmm. really like a not a pro produced story it's kind of just like follow me along on this this like maintenance journey i think that those have this like uh what's the word i'm looking for it's like a like it's just calming just to watch somebody do something you know yeah. and, and it's like and it's it doesn't have to be like super duper intriguing or something that you're like totally into yeah. Um, but you can just be like, you can get caught up in like, in that. I know there's a channel that, that does like, they, they like reshoe horses. And I've had so many people tell me like, dude, 
I don't know why, but I watch that stupid channel and this guy's just putting horseshoes on horses. And it's like, if you were to pitch that idea to like a room full of people like, hey, I got this business. I'm going to just do videos about putting horseshoes on. People would be like, you're high, dude. And that channel's huge. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I, I haven't seen that one yet. Um, yeah. but, um, have you seen the, um, I don't know, I call them lawnmower guys, but, uh, the yard cleanup guys. Oh, I have seen a few of those on, I, they, they almost wrote me in on like, uh, like reels or something like that. Cause they, I get the ADD version and then I'm like, Ooh, how did he do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so they do 45 minute videos and what, what they do, I mean, these are the, um, they just have landscaping businesses, right? Mm-hmm. They're just small, you know, solopreneur <laughs> landscapers and they go find the worst, um, abandoned property in these neighborhoods and talk to the neighbors and does anybody live there? Blah, blah, blah. And they kind of figure out the story and then they offer to do it for free. They set up yeah. the cameras and they take this total pit and make it look good. Yeah. It takes 45 minutes. It's all fast forwarding and, you know, you watch it, but it's satisfying to watch it. Super relaxing. It's great for nap time. Mm-hmm. Now, the inspiration for the bike farmer, I guess, um, kind of before I met Jerry and really was like, I got to do this, was Bob Ross, the joy of painting. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's the master at the watch me work. He's, right. it's, it's instructional. But yeah, yeah. And like my videos are instructional, but really I'm just kind of doing it and you're watching me do it. And I try to explain Mm -hmm. how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it and that kind of thing. But um, he's creating a painting and they all go the same way, right? He starts with the sky and then moves to the foreground. Right. And finishes with the pond every single time, right? Or actually. And the happy little trees are somewhere in the middle. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. (laughs) And I fell in love with Joy of Painting because I can get a perfect 20 minute power nap out of it every day. I'm asleep before he's done with the sky and then theme song kicks on or on the outro and I'm, I'm wide awake. It's like, Ding! Um, and I was in the habit of doing that. So I was like, man, if I can get people to fall asleep watching, you know, watching my long form videos, I'm yeah. printing money. Right, you know, right. Like I don't right. want people to watch it. I want them to fall asleep. You know. I love the goal of getting somebody to fall asleep. I want uh-huh. this to be so boring they can't stay awake. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, in the process of making these videos, I realize I'm learning a new art, which is yeah. video editing. Yeah. And it's. I don't know. I mean, like I, so I, somebody I was watching the other day was explaining it. It was like, like, it's a big difference between cutting a video and editing a video. Yeah. And I yeah. think if you watch my videos, I'm just cutting videos right now. I mean, they're not. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I, I, um, when, when I first started in the mountain bike space, um, that's all we really needed to do to get, get subscribers is like, you go on a ride, come home, just cut it into like anything that was interesting and make a thumbnail, which was like a complete afterthought and boom, put it online and people were watching it because it was new at the time and there wasn't a lot of people doing it. So like, when was that? That was like 2017, like right around the time that, um, yeah, I mean, basically when I started the channel and, um, later it you know it turned into like okay well you got to have some kind of story and now it's like i mean i was talking to you yesterday i i probably i mean off and on yesterday i worked on that video that 
I was working on all until like seven or eight o'clock at night. And mm -hmm. it was already four minutes done when I started and it, you know, wrapped up at like, I don't know, like 11 or something, 11 minutes, you know? So wow, it is yeah. like, you know, just that long to, you know, pick music to, oh, I don't like that transition or it's like, oh, I want to have this little, like at one point I was talking on the video and I'm like thinking that I'm at the top of the hill and I'm, and I'm saying that, I, Hey, I'm at the top of the hill. And I wanted to make this graphic that like came out like a newsreel and it was like fake news, like, you know, and it's like just little stuff like that. And it's, you find yourself, okay, well that took me another, you know, 20 minutes to make that graphic. And then, you know, just like weird stuff. And next thing you know, it's, you know, it's definitely a lot more involved than it was back then. But I think that, um, I think, you know, it really depends though, because I also like, like on one hand, I think us creators tend to get ourselves in a space where, where we actually start doing things in my opinion for other creators and not actually for the people that watch the videos because, oh, and this is just a theory of mine, but I feel like there's still channels out there that are just cutting stuff together. Like I did originally and they're getting followers. You, right. you know what I mean? But um, so that tells you that there's still people who are going to follow that stuff, you know, whether it's a local trail or, you know, whatever it is. Right. But I think as you get and, and maybe it's just human nature, like you just want to get better at what you're doing. So yeah. you go down this rabbit hole or or that's how you keep people coming is is getting better or something. But um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I know like I'm like tripping off a of lighting or something like that. And it's like, dude. When I did this same podcast with a crappy microphone and 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 no cool lights in my background, there were still people listening. You, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Like this is. I, I mean, this looks pretty good. My end, I'm saying. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is just where I work. This is my living room. I didn't yeah. stage any of this, or I don't think about it. You know, I don't. I haven't done right. like a Zoom meeting or anything in years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like not, you know, part of my life. So all this stuff is like new to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, so, I mean, I started the Bike Farmer YouTube channel. This would have been in the spring of 2021. Okay. And, uh, but it would have been February and bike season for me starts in middle of March, end of March. And I get really busy. Uh, March, April, May are super busy for me. Um, and I found that it's really hard, hard to make videos and have the bike businesses at the same time. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, the bandwidth, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I had a good start to it. And so it got backburnered for a year I didn't, or maybe nine months. I didn't make a video. And then I found a friend who was willing to do some editing for me. So I would just grab footage. So my first 20 videos or so, are just mm -hmm. like super long, not edited at all, hardly just cut together to put something out there. No music, no mm -hmm. nothing. Um, they're terrible, but it was enough where I got a few hundred, you know, subscribers. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I only need a thousand and four hundred watch hours, and I got the watch hours quick because my videos yeah. are so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, uh, eventually, I found a really great Facebook group called Home Bicycle Mechanics. Now, I said they're really great. I don't know. I mean, I think most cyclists now I'm going to, you know, like cyclists or mountain bikers or, mm -hmm. you know, like they wouldn't like this uh, Facebook group, but these are my people. Like these are my yeah. viewers. This is who I want. And so I put 
uh, just a question out there like, hey, or I know what I did. I, I, I put a thing, I was like, has anybody seen this guy who's the Bob Ross of bicycles on YouTube? Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. And it was clearly me, right? But half of the people right. didn't get it. And they went over to YouTube to check it out and they started subscribing. And that's yeah. how I got my thousand subscribers. Yeah. As soon as I got my thousand subs, I had the idea kicking in the background of like, why are bicycle mechanics such assholes? Right. You know, and so that's when I started that video. And I knew that that video would bust shit wide open or at least break me into the bike shop guy world. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is my other world, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, like with that, beforehand you weren't really doing a scripted type of video what was the reason that you figured that you should go from your try to put people to sleep to try to people keep people engaged you know um so just i think it was ali abdal watching Mm -hmm. this guy who's had tremendous success but you know maybe a few of these other channels i don't even know you know it's just like how do you grow a youtube channel fast and they they were like oh okay you need to do these things you know a really good thumbnail really good title first five seconds personal story in the beginning you know it's really hooky stuff they're like just hook things and then with my wife being a writer i understand story and how you just have to keep hooking Mm -hmm. and the somebody said the easiest way to do it is with a top 10 list because everybody wants to know what number one is they're going to stick around yeah Yeah. So I was like, okay, top 10 reasons why bicycle mechanics are assholes. Cause I was just going to like kind of, I mean, it is a lot of me just whining and complaining about customers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, there's a lot more to it. Um, and then I just started, I just sat down and was like, just writing. I, I was kind of like, what do you say? Outlining my thoughts. And then mm-hmm. it just turned into a script one day. And then I woke up the next morning and went downstairs and snapped the photo of me like, <laughs> and yeah. Just started filming and edit it the next day and boom i don't know it just kind of happened i've been trying to do it since i can't i haven't figured it out they've been getting progressively worse sometimes that shit's just a fluke man but you know in your case who cares you you know what i mean like like uh obviously i've seen like on your channel there's a couple of videos that are very similar thumbnails and kind of same premises and um I mean, all of them have done well, maybe not as well as that that one in particular, but but yeah. they've done well. So obviously there's something along the lines of the way you're staging that thumbnail or or the or the title, you know, because th- those two things at the end of the day, that's your pickup line, right? You have like this like two seconds, three seconds to get somebody interested enough by the picture that they're going to read the title and then the title enough that they're actually going to click on the, the, you know, or maybe they even pass, pass reading the title, but that hundred percent is your pickup line. So if you don't have that pinned, obviously they're not even going to click in the first place. And then after that, it's, you know, purely up to what, what you're providing. Right. Yeah. Um, so the channel is kind of morphed, you know, I thought it was just going to be a watch me work, um, bike fixing channel, but now it's kind mm-hmm. of morphed into, the bike fixing videos, which are my favorite to make, um, ride videos, which I have a handful of those and I'm going to get better at that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for me, that's more like the bike adventures that I take or, mm-hmm. you know, cause I don't, I'm not a mountain biker, so it's not like, you know, catching air, you know, all yeah. the fun stuff, you know, technical tips and 
mm-hmm. you know, bike handling and all the things that you bounce biker guys can do. Like, I don't know, but I do some bike packing and, you know, that kind of thing. And I go cool places. Um, but then it's the bike shop asshole. You know, I've got yeah. this persona now, which really honestly fits right into my wheelhouse because mm-hmm. the two things I'm best at is fixing bikes and being an asshole. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> right. Know? Right. Like, seriously, it's super funny that I can, like, make money mm-hmm. telling people what I actually think. That's the yeah, other yeah. thing. It's like, I'm saying the stuff that everybody that we talk about in bike shops or that everybody knows, well, we all know, but nobody says yeah. it out loud. And it all it becomes philosophical, really. I mean, mm-hmm. the, um, I, I'm really reconsidering a lot of things and, like, the whole relationship between retailer and consumer and where I want, you know, my role, like I'm learning, I'm like, I'm not really cut out for the whole retail customer service thing at all. Like that's just mm-hmm. not my jam. I love fixing people's bikes for them. I really love, I mean, really my passion is finding somebody with a bike that they're not riding because it doesn't work for whatever reason and mm-hmm. making it great and comfortable and getting them back on their bike. And it's mm-hmm. regular people with bikes. That's my whole jam. Like yeah. it's kind of always been my thing is these like bikes that nobody cares about, but I, for whatever reason, I love these machines and I just got to make mm-hmm. them work again. So that, and that authenticity really shines through. And honestly, like being able to tell cyclists and customers and all these people that normally bike culture and the bike industry, like praises and wants to feel really comfortable. I can just be like, you guys are all insane to me. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand why you do this. And then I get called out for the hypocrisy because my bicycles are extraordinarily fancy and, you know, like yeah. way over the top. But, yeah. um, you know, I just think that cyclists have cycling stores. Yeah. And that's, I don't need to, the world doesn't need another cycling store. So, mm-hmm. I, and I come at it as, as a, a mechanic first. I mean, I said for decades, I like fixing them more than I like riding them. Mm-hmm. And I liked working at the bike shop. I liked the misfits that work at bike shops. I like being in the back room where things are nasty and dirty and fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was my scene. I didn't like to be up front selling the gear and talking about the tech and whatever. I was always the kind of yeah, like yeah. background dirt ball. So I have this different perspective, which I think bike YouTube is lacking. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, I'm a fresh voice, which I think is also yeah, yeah, it makes the sense. channel I mean, doing pretty well. <laughs> Reading your comments, I mean, there's definitely a lot of industry people on there that are like, dude, I love that you're like calling it as it is or like, yeah. um, so, so you've, you've definitely found like your audience, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, and I, I think at this point it's like, okay, well, how do you keep them? And then like, how do you get people maybe outside of that? You know what I mean? And so it yeah. sounds like you got some, some good ideas and so you're going to plan to keep doing some of the long format as one part of the channel. And then your um, bike adventures. I think there's really good stories in that. I don't think that you have to um, maybe be a, a, a biker in the sense of like what you were talking about. Like, cause my videos, I don't, I'm not some like Remy Metallier, like fancy, like amazing rider. I'm not talking about skills. I'm just telling the story of like whatever happened on that trail, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes it's just like a guide and sometimes it's a better story of something else. But 
for the most part, I mean, that's all, all it really comes down to is just tell a good story, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I, uh, I want to get good at that craft. I think there's a real craft yeah. to it. Um, I don't know if we can, so I think right there, somewhere there is a drone. Yeah. He's pointing <laughs> under a Christmas tree for those of you oh, guys yeah. that are. <laughs> so yeah, no, um, those are super fun. Hopefully that, that, hopefully that's under there because, um, yeah, I got for one me, of those, I, like, I don't know what, it, I can't remember what I asked for, you know, the one that'll follow me around or I can put it on. Uh, like the Skydio like, one or the DJI? Well, it's like a DJI, but it's a new one. Um, actually, Old Shovel just did a video and like they sponsored it. Um, uh -huh. And I can't remember what it's called now. Anyways, yeah, yeah. And I'm interested. That, that's, you know, I, um, I, 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 I'm assuming that you had zero, like, photography and editing experience before you started is that accurate yeah um yeah. i mean nothing professional like i never take a class even but yeah, yeah i understand the rule of thirds and i get it uh -huh. you know yeah for me i had zero experience other than like taking cool pictures with my iphone so yeah like and uh and i didn't necessarily even know the rule of thirds i just knew that like if i put somebody on the side like this that looks cool and you know like yeah. just on on feel alone and um there's a lot to learn mm -hmm. and uh especially when you're also like like just cameras on their own there's a lot to learn but then it's like light, lay youtube on top of it and then it's like this like it's like taking a double major you know it's like like all of a sudden you're like oh i gotta learn this stuff and that stuff and no uh, doubt yeah but my brain loves that yeah you know i love yeah. learning and uh, I, I like being challenged and I love problem solving. So, yeah, I think that's the thing that's appealing to me is where it's all of those things. Like, I love learning. I love, you know, like I, I, I love telling stories like I'm, you know, out of the, the, the group of friends, you know, I'm always like the person telling some kind of story about something that happened. And then uh, and then on top, top of that, uh, I'm a creative person as well. So that like I think those things all kind of like get into a pot together and, and turn into soup, you know? Yeah. But I was going to say about the, the uh, drone, whenever I finally got one, it really changed a lot of things for me in storytelling wise, because before I had the drone, <clears throat> I never did voiceovers and I would always do like, I would try to like capture everything I could when I was out filming my ride or whatever. And then I would make something out of that. And, and I had this like idea in my head where, where I wanted it to, to feel very natural, like everything that I was saying. And mm -hmm. sometimes when I'd be editing, I'm like, man, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have said that. And I just kind of brushed it off. But once I got the drone, there's no audio on that, you know? So it's like, if you're using that shot, you have to like layer it with something, you mm -hmm. know? And, and that's whenever it, it really changed, at least for me, it really changed my, my storytelling because then, I started doing voiceovers and I started like mixing them in and, and, um, it, uh, I don't know. It, I liked it a lot. And plus it's like super fun just to fly around. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. This one isn't like a joystick drone thing. It's a, it's a totally different animal where it's like a kind of AI and it just knows mm -hmm. where you are and follows you around, which I think oh, is right best suited for me. Um, I don't, but again, I don't know this drone from the next, so I'm just yeah. learning. It's where I'm starting. 
I researched yeah. cameras and like right after I met Jerry, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna buy a camera and I bought a Sony Z1. Um, mm-hmm. and it came so highly recommended as yeah, yeah. Like the content creators, camera. yeah, vlogger camera that mm-hmm. yeah. you can just take with you. And so I've been using that. Um, I got a Insta360 uh Go 3, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, which has been great. A uh, little bit of a learning curve there. But I've been able to get some really cool ride footage with that little guy. I haven't used any of the 360 cameras, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's, it's um, daunting to me to think about how you edit that. So do you go through the software first, and you like kind of like frame the shot, and then you got to ex- export that into whatever you're editing with, or how do you go? So <laughs> yes, um, it sucks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I was really excited about having another little camera on a little uh, tripod stand for doing my bike fix it videos. Because mm-hmm. if you watch Bob Ross, you know, he's got the wide angle out here and then close ups. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I can do that, I'm off to the races. Well, I tried to do it with a chesty and it worked pretty good. And people were like, oh, that's so cool. But that camera has this like really crazy wide angle thing and then you got to chug it through the software to break down or you can just use it just like you would a gopro and it's just Mm -hmm. another another second camera but even used as a second camera the editing of the two cameras i'm just not good at it and i'm only using iMovie at this point Mm -hmm. um i just don't know maybe with different software i can make it easier to do two cameras but yeah i don't know syncing everything up it's breaking my brain and one of those yeah. videos will take me three times longer to edit yeah. so i'm i'm kind of done with it so what i yeah, will do uh, is there, when i go on a bike ride i'll just have the go the insta 360 right and then i just have mm-hmm. the one camera so yeah i'm not sure about iMovie i'm not a uh, super up up to speed on max but i know with premiere or um i think there's another I'm not sure if it's, there's another Apple product that a lot of people use for editing. I can't think of what it is, but um, basically what I was going to say is, is you can put all your your footage in and it'll sync it through the audio on the timeline together. And then basically when you do that, then you're just choosing which portion you want to show. So another software would, would, would help you out with that as, as far as like syncing it up. And then, um, then you can kind of go from there, but yeah, but I think, yeah, I, I, mean, I like think I've landed on DaVinci Resolve. As yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty one, one I want to learn. Yeah. I, when I first started, I, I, um, I was like, Hey, I don't want to spend a billion dollars. So I had found DaVinci at that point and they were like, you know, they made all these movies with this and it's free and blah, blah, blah. And, and whenever I would go online, there wasn't a lot of tutorials for it. And I kept seeing all these like Premiere tutorials. So I ended up purchasing Premiere and, and working on it like that. But nowadays, so many people have started using and are using DaVinci that there's a ton of content out there. So yeah. it's like, yeah, go. I mean, I, I've considered trying it, but I'm, I feel like I'm so deep in the Adobe world, you know, where you're like, oh, I don't want to learn anything else. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, and, and yeah, I wouldn't, if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't reinvent the wheel at this point. Yeah, there's some people that have switched, though. I, I mean, I have some, some bigger channels that I know, and like, um, mm. they enjoy it. I think, 
I think part of the problem when I first started is like everything is new to you. You know what I mean? So just even like creating a, a timeline or like learning how to export your video so it doesn't look like potato, like, you, mm -hmm. you know, like, like all of those things, it was like every step of, of so many things that I do on muscle, muscle memory now back then is like, okay, how do you cut? I don't know. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I want to make a transition. Like before I, I used Premiere, it was like, you know, some kind of like movie maker, you know, that was like super easy where it's like, just push this button. It's like Instagram for editing, you know, it's like everything's done, you know? And, yeah. and uh, whenever I moved to Premiere, it's like, oh, there's no like, like air quote, uh, easy way to do this. It's like, you have to know how to, how to work on this engine, you know? Right. So. Yeah. So anyway, so how did you get into the, um, the, the mechanic thing in the first place? Bike mechanics. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, so I was like 12 or 13, you know, I wanted money <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I want to get a job. And I was just thinking I'm in a really small town, 6,000 people, um, mm -hmm. about a half hour outside of Madison. It's just far enough out of Madison where we're not like a Madison suburb. Right. Or not the Madison, I mean, kind of have suburbs, but it's a pretty small town. Too. I got you. But, um, anyway, um, and so there's not a lot of cool places to work. And the coolest thing I could think of was the bike shop. And so I went in there and they're like, look, we don't make any money doing this. We don't even pay ourselves hardly. So like, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like, we just kind of have it because we like bikes. Yeah. But if you want to hang out and play around with bikes, you know, go right ahead. And so I spent all summer. You know, I mowed a few lawns. I didn't make any money, but they let me fuck around with bikes and mm -hmm. I loved it. Um, I got, I don't, um, you know, everything is Trek. Everything still is Trek in this town. I'm 10 miles south of Trek headquarters. So, I mean, the mothership looms large over here. Yeah. Um, it's all Trek, Trek, Trek. And that's why they don't exist anymore. Frankly, it's because anybody who's into cycling is associated with Trek can get the employee purchase, you know, friends and family. It's really mm -hmm. tough. I'm a giant dealer. <laughs> um, right. But uh, anyway, um, and then I, I was 13. So I did that for a couple of years. They closed down, um, got my driver's license, stopped riding bikes until I got to college. And it was after my freshman year at college. I went back home for a month and I'm like, I can't live with my parents. I got to get back to Madison. And I went to the bike shop and got a job. And I'm like, I know how to fix bikes. I didn't yeah. know shit. I could barely fix a tire. You know, I, and I hadn't touched yeah. a bike in five years, but they hired me and I have mechanical aptitude. So um, they stuck me in back. Um, the bike shop did a lot of used bikes, um, mm -hmm. trade-ins. And this was 1996. Mm -hmm. um, and he would give me the shittiest shit. I mean, rusted out bottom brackets frozen seat posts and yeah i'm sure back there you see some some serious wear too because of the weather so yeah um yeah. i mean and i mean they were terrible terrible bikes uh but all shop quality they weren't you know huffies and whatever right you know, department store bikes and it really taught me how to fix bikes um but i was super far away from any of the new stuff coming in i wasn't a cyclist so, I mean, I was kind of friends with some of the salespeople, but mostly it was just the bike, the, you know, the mechanics in back. It was very much like dirtball mechanic punks in back and then like shiny cyclist people up front. Right, right. You know, 
So that's yeah. my background. And I did that all through college. And it took me forever to graduate from college because I like working at the bike shop more than I like college. Mm-hmm. And I sure as hell never wanted a real job, you know? Mm-hmm. So, although I did have real jobs too. So somewhere along the line, you decided to do this mobile thing? How'd that <laughs> happen? Well, because like I said, I, I had some real jobs that were soul sucking, but good. <laughs> I mean, they're actually one of those. I had fun. You know, but yeah. by the end of it, it was like, oh man, what am I doing with my life? I just want you to just realized it wasn't your passion. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, at all. And so I was actually in between jobs, but really, it was an existential professional crisis. And I hired a like a career coach or a life coach or something, mm-hmm. and just filling out the intake, like it was like a five-page questionnaire, and then doing like the forty-five minute intro phone call with her i'm like it's got to be bikes i gotta do something yeah. with bikes the answer your like, own question. yeah you know and i'm like i don't think i need you i think i just yeah. need to figure this she's out she's like no 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 no. that's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know because i was you know she got like 30 bucks out of me or something right. um, <laughs> and i had lunch with a friend and he's like you got to find the problem and yeah. this is this is in the wired bicycle mechanics assholes video i think um mm-hmm. And it was, it wasn't that bicycle mechanics are assholes, but it was like regular people do not like going into cycling stores. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like bike people do. Cyclists like going to cycling stores, but 90% of the people in your life, I mean, unless it's all bike people, but 90% of people in my life would never feel comfortable walking into a cycle. I don't. My first year after the bike mobile, I went to Interbike, you know, in Vegas. Yeah. And I walked around this giant and I'm like, who the hell buys this shit? Like I yeah. had no idea. I was like, what is all this stuff? Like yeah. I'm a bike. Interbike's kind of overwhelming too, especially yeah. at that time in Vegas. It was really big. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was like, you know, if you could somehow fix bikes but not have to deal with a bike shop. And so that's when I the wheels started turning and um I came up with the idea of a mobile bike shop. I'm like, you gotta be able to stand up in a sprinter van. And why couldn't I just put the workbench in there and put a bike stand on the wall? And and then yeah. I Googled it. And uh, at the time, there was Beeline and Velofix were both franchises that I could have bought. Yeah, and I looked yeah. into I those. A... Go ahead. I, yeah, I had a buddy that that did Velofix. I, I think he was on the show or I did a video, I think, on the other channel. That's what it was a long time ago. But yeah, but yeah I mean, why why buy into somebody else's thing, though, when you can just do your own, right? Yeah, well, that I, I ran the numbers, and I was like, and I had already had a business that failed. Like, I, I was, like, emerging from total financial ruin. I mean, it was bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go yeah. into personal stuff, too, but. Um, yeah. I, put, I, I mean, I'm 12 years sober, divorced, uh-huh. business failure. It was bad. <laughs> but emerging. <laughs> yeah, when it rains, yeah. it pours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was bad, like, total, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but emerging from the ashes, the Phoenix, uh, you know, yeah. the bike mobile changed my life. I mean, it really did. Um, and what I did is I, I bagged and pleaded with my dad. I'm like, I actually have a good business model here in, mm-hmm. in, in Madison. Then we had, um, I had talked to a beeline operator out of Boulder, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I have like two corporate accounts a week where you go. And he's like, we do eight to 10 bikes in a day in the parking lot at these big corporations. And my dad was pretty well connected with a lot of uh, business leaders in Madison. And we reached out to a few of them and they're like, absolutely, we'd book him. And so with that, 
uh, my dad was willing to loan me the money and I bought a van with 170,000 miles on it. And I mm -hmm. built it all out myself with a lot of tools that I had myself, mm -hmm. a shitty scratch and dent box from uh, Home Depot, you know, like yeah, right now I'm thinking tech. about this. I'm like, man, if you only had a channel, then you would have been. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. Still when you said 2017, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'd be blowing up Lambos for a living right now. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're in this for, right? Right. That's what we're all looking for. But yeah. when we get to the point, we can either blow one up or throw one off a bridge. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, and I, so from the, the aha moment of mobile bike shop to swiping my first card was six weeks. Mm -hmm. I put it together in six weeks, swipe my first card. And I tuned up 375 bikes in the back of my van in Madison that summer by myself. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that year is when this place became available. Now this is Gibbs bike shop in Lake Mills, which was the bike shop in Lake Mills from 1933 until old man Gilbert Kirsten Gibb died in 1990 ish. Wow. And it's where I got my first bike. My mom got her first bike in like 1953. Yeah. She thinks, yeah. Um, lots of history with the small town and my ex-wife who had become a realtor texted me um at the end of that first summer in the bike mobile and said you know the gibbs bike shop properties on the market there's a two-bedroom apartment upstairs um and i'm like oh i gotta get it and yeah. so i was able to get it and then um a few months later i reopened gibbs bike shop and this is a great story so it was it was november that i moved in February, I had the bike shop kind of built out and I wanted to get started. And we had a, a weekend in February, it was like 50 degrees. And whenever you get that, like everybody comes out, everybody's right. out, you know, riding their bikes, everybody's outside. Right. And so I just like made all the posts on all the Facebook pages, put up signs, balloons, bike shop, bike shop, bike shop. My very first customer was this kid named Alec. He was 17 at the time, long hair. And BMX guy in town, kid. And he had introduced himself to me earlier at last summer at the end of the, it was like September. And he's like, Hey, I'm Alec. And I just, I just graduated. I'm, I'm homeschooled and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm looking for a job. Well, mm -hmm. when I opened up in February, he came to buy a new chain from me. And I'm like, dude, it's you. Cause I didn't know how to get a hold of this kid. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, did you find a job? He's like, no. I'm like, you're hired. What are you doing this weekend? He's like, nothing. I'm like, <laughs> Don't don't leave my side. And he yeah. was with me for five and a half years. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so he ended up like doing all this stuff. We started a bike charity in Madison and he was like my number one mechanic. Um, it was great. I had Alec and then you know, he was 17 when I hired him. So he's what, 23 or four now. Yeah. And I, I was just why I'm like, oh, one of these days he's gonna realize that the world's bigger than Gibbs bike shop in Lake Mills and right. just spread his wings. And he did yeah. a couple of years ago. I'm really happy for him. He's really yeah. happy doing what he's doing now, but man, it's been a struggle without him. Yeah. yeah. It, he, he did a lot of heavy lifting, but I got really lucky finding somebody to help me open the bike shop. So I was able to be in the van a good part of the week while right. he kind of managed the locals here. Mm -hmm. That's rad. Yeah. It was really <laughs> serendipitous and really, really built up, you know, a dream life really. I mean, yeah. from that, when I think back to that conversation with the life coach uh -huh. and I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be bikes. I gotta be able to make a living. And it's, yeah. it's I'm the freest, most authentic person I know. I think I yeah. just, I've really gotten lucky. And now 
I've been really sweating. How, like, how am I going to get through this downturn? And you know, because yeah. it's not a lot of money. It's just barely enough, yeah. right? Um, and I'm like, how am I going to get through? How am I going to grind through? And then the YouTube thing happened. I'm like, well, maybe if I tell everybody in the world I'm a gigantic asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah i always tell my kids as they were growing up like if if you do what you're passionate about you'll always be successful yeah and um and success isn't always money but you'll always mm -hmm. be successful and and i think that um as i've gotten older in my life i've realized that that's more in like just your own personal happiness is way more ha like it's way better than than money is yeah and, i mean it i don't think i could convince like 20 year old me that wanted to make more money more money more money but i i definitely know that as an adult that there was a point in my life where it was like wait a minute I actually don't give a fuck about this job and whatever money it's making. Like, I really give a fuck about what I do on the weekends. And I really mm -hmm. give a fuck about what I do when I'm not at work. And and that was like a, a cultural shift for me or a, a something, you know, kind of like where you're talking about where everything was like, you know, raining down on you. I had a moment like that in my life as well. And that was kind of where that clarity came from. And and since then, it's like, yeah, man, I'm, I, I feel like I'm much happier, but who knows maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just think that it's important to chase whatever you're you're passionate about and um, yeah i mean right before my great collapse i i had a really great job on on paper you know i was yeah. making six figures and doing just fine and supporting my family and you know didn't yeah. have to worry about money and i was playing a lot of golf got really good at it yeah um, but you know i i was unhappy um yeah. i didn't really know it because yeah uh, from the outside looking in, I mean, I remember the banker when I was like, "Hey, I want to borrow all this money to buy this stupid business." That's a whole other story we don't have to talk about. Yeah. But um, and he was looking at, and he's like, looking at what I was making and what I was doing. He's like, "Why are you doing this?" You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, "Here's your fuck," because I want my own thing. That's yeah. why I want. Yeah. A, you know, I'm like, I'm I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about. And that's yeah. And I, I had to take the jumping off point. I was turned out to be a pretty terrible idea but at least i got out of that old life so yeah yeah i feel like there's always a, a mm. reason like in hindsight you know mm. like like what you yeah. said right there is like hey it got you out of the other thing and yeah. um and and as long as you have that perspective with your life then it definitely makes like looking at shitty experiences feel a little better you know <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. I, I wonder if like our brains have adapted to that you know like otherwise yeah. we'd all just be, you know thrown in the towel yeah um, yeah yeah you, know, you gotta be able to get over stuff um for sure but i mean it took me three or four years good years of solid misery <laughs> to yeah figure this out and make a go at you know um, yeah so. yeah but like i, I mean, said i'm having a blast i think when you said before this thing that you love you know the youtube bike thing yeah. or whatever you want to call it you know uh, um creator work lifestyle like I think I've been bitten by the bug. I really yeah. do. It just it feels right. I um like I I, I kind of mentioned that I had started this bike charity in Madison called Free Bikes for Kids. Anybody can start one in their own town. If you just Google FB4K.org and check it out, you can do one where you live too. Um but anyway, um one of our executive director summits where all the executive directors from around the country kind of we got it together. 
up in Minneapolis. And part of our homework was to read this book. And part of that, it was to find your like two core values and really think about it. And I was like, authenticity and creativity are my mm -hmm. two things. And so that's really kind of my mantra with this bike channel is try not to be somebody I know, like the bike shop asshole thing is a persona. You know, I'm like, I kind of turn into a different guy there. But yeah, those yeah. really are my opinions, you know. I mean, yeah, some yeah, of them, yeah. it's my, it's an extreme version of them, and I'm being, right. I'm trolling, you know, it's clickbaity and all that. Like it's yeah. deliberate, but it's like, man, these are my life experiences. I mean, I've dealt with a yeah. lot of people in the bike shop world, and yeah, um, it's pretty ridiculous, or it can be. Um, but that, and then the creative side of it, just coming up with the scripts, coming up with the ideas, scripting it, editing it, putting it out there, mm -hmm. the problem solving, I like it all. Yeah, and like it's rewarding. I mean, seeing the subscriber numbers go up, it's rewarding seeing the view counts go up or the likes or the comments. Like um, all of those things, it's like uh, it's it's a different level of um, like dope. yeah, I mean, like dopamine, yeah. But it, like it's <laughs> like you don't get that kind of positive reassurance from any other job. You sure you don't. Know, like. like and of course there's negative as well, but like you definitely don't get like, no matter what I do in my job, I don't have like, every, like 80% of the building come up to me and be like, you know what, Rob, good job today, dude. You know, like, I know. Like, it's, like, you know it's what, really I'm going to tell my friends and they're going to come by and tell you too, you know, like, <laughs> you know so it's, it's definitely not, um, yeah, you definitely, how could you not enjoy that? You, you know right. what I mean? Is, is really like what it comes down to. I was watching Casey Neistat the other day and um, um, he was talking about like making sure that you, you try to recognize that and don't let that drive you. And I thought that like um, for somebody as big as him and his channel is like, it was really good, like insightful kind of like, like wisdom that he was kind of giving out there, you know? The the um, praise from strangers and like letting the, yeah yeah and just the, the just the not only that like even just like he was saying you know some YouTubers like they they get into this like mode of how do I get more subscribers how do I get more likes how do I get you know things that are like statistically driven and he's like no you need to make sure that you're staying true to just like making videos that you really enjoy making and that you're happy about. And, and I saw that, that same interview. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, I think for me right now, I mean, where I land with it is I really am trying to do this to make a living, um, mm -hmm. trying to figure out a way that this can replace the bike mobile and the bike shop where I don't mm -hmm. have to depend on them. I'll probably still yeah. keep them. And, you know, because really I, those corporate days in the bike mobile, that's just cash. I mean, it's so good. The money is so good. Mm -hmm. um, but I need my Saturdays back. I don't have Saturdays. You know, every bike shop owner will tell you that, like, you know, the Saturday thing is a big deal. And um, so I do kind of have to sell out. I do have to pay attention to the analytics and I do have to figure out how to be successful at this so I can make money doing it. Um, and I'm still new to that. I don't know all the different ways. I'm going to make mm -hmm. money, you know, and who I'm going to meet and who's going to hear this podcast and be like, Oh, I yeah. like that Andy guy, you know? Yeah. Got something. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's lots of avenues. I mean, there's, you know, obviously, you know, you could do something like Patreon or YouTube memberships. You could, you know, 
have merchandise. I, I think you have a lot of good opportunity though, too, because like the mobile bike shop side is like bringing you videos. You, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so there's a lot of that. And, um, I, I don't know, like if you're wanting to like get into like the how to space, but like all of the, like, for example, Sid and Mackie, I don't know if you're familiar with their channel, but during, I haven't uh, seen that one yet during COVID. Um, so it's a couple and they're both professional mountain bikers, but they're, they're also YouTubers. Right. And, um, the husband is a really good mechanic and he was like teaching his wife how to be a mechanic as well. Oh, and interesting. So, so they started a second channel. I think it was during COVID cause they just, you know, like they weren't able to race and stuff like, cause they're professional racers. So, mm -hmm. um, and basically the channel was just, it's called Sid fixes bikes and it's her learning how to fix bikes, like from her husband and those how to videos, they will skyrocket. Like there's a lot of people out there trying to learn how to not, not to pay a bike shop, you know? Yeah. And, and if you can do that in a well-produced manner, like people, people eat it up, you know? I, so, yeah, I think I know that. Um, but I feel like it's been done and I, I don't think I'm really, I, I don't think I'm a good teacher. Mm -hmm. I, I've never felt like I'm really good at explaining things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just seems a little too structured for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. There could be a spin on it though. I mean, yeah. you could be the, the asshole guy doing it instead. And it's like, uh, you, sure. you, you know, <laughs> so, so there, there's definitely like other ways to go about it. It's just, um, I, I think what I was saying is like, there's definitely there, there's there's a lot of room in that space and that's definitely mm -hmm. one of those things that that pulls people in you, you know what i mean so right um who knows i mean I, I i think at the end of the day it's like you'll build this community and um your diehards will watch anything that you make you know and then then yeah. it's just a matter of like how you get anybody like other people to come you know and, right. and you just want to keep you know building the brand or whatever but and I think I mean, that goes back to the, the Casey Neistat interview where mm -hmm. I think I just have to be as good as possible at the content that I put out. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm learning that. And I'm at, I think I'm at 68 videos right now. And my videos are long. Most of them, you know, are more than a half hour mm -hmm. on the bike fixing videos. Um, so it's a lot. Um, but one guy that I, um, there's a, there's a guy, it's called the uh, wristwatch revival this guy marshall out of seattle mm -hmm. who takes apart watches and puts them together he's a watchmaker it's fascinating mm -hmm. and i saw an interview with him and all of his videos are pretty much the same every watch is a little different just like bikes or bob ross yeah. same sort of deal and he's like no no i from day one it was i'm gonna make the best video possible he's like i've been through that thing four times after the initial cut making it absolutely perfect he does voiceover which i gotta play mm -hmm. around with there's a way to do this, which is absolutely calming and chill and that whole thing. That yeah, yeah. Like, and how to, this is mm -hmm. how I get around these problems. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely good stories there to be told. And I think that um, the more you do it, the more you'll figure it out. And sometimes things that you um, don't even realize you're doing become something like this podcast for me was when when youtube first started doing like live streaming abilities 
I used to just get drunk in my garage and talk to my subscribers. And, you know, we would be like out here drinking for like three hours. And I'd be like, man, there's still freaking all these people watching this shit. You know, and yeah. then, then I would like, you know, usually I would, a lot of times I would delete them afterwards. And, and, but when I would leave them on, it'd be like the next day they'd get all these other views. And it was like, man, people are watching this even when it's not live. Like, that's kind of weird. And then, uh, then it just kind of morphed into doing a podcast and, and actually like, cause I noticed that it was really easy for me to, to come conversate with somebody whenever I would have some other like YouTuber friends pop into my live stream or whatever. So it was like, I think I just do interviews, you know, and mm. here I am, you know? So nice. Yeah. And you yeah, don't have to edit on me, right? They're yeah. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's opportunity there as well, you know, um, mm -hmm. If I, if I really wanted to, and I, my plan for this next year is to kind of lean in on some things that I've been thinking about, but not really doing. And I used to like take these podcasts and I would edit out like five or six, like couple minute clips and then put them up. And I really need to get back to doing that because I think that YouTube's a really good advertisement platform for a podcast, whereas a regular podcast, unless you're like putting commercials on some other podcast, it's really hard for people to, to find, you know, mm. and YouTube's really good at like finding people that want to watch what you're doing, you know? Right. So if I, if I get back to doing that, I think it'll really help the podcast grow a lot. And, um, for me personally, like I, I really enjoy the creativity side of the vlog, like, POV kind of content that I do. I, I really, really enjoy that. But I, in my mind, I know that my strong suit is really these, these conversations. Okay. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's also something that you could do when you're like 70, you know, like you could still be like having conversations with people and like, people don't really care about how old you are. They don't want to see like a 70 year old dude mountain biking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they do by that i don't know but <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know so it's like um i can't believe that people want to see a 46 year old guy mountain biking yeah, right <laughs> especially a fat one <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um, i guess yeah. i'd like to see that i'll, I'll check it yeah out. right <laughs> so yeah i mean it's definitely a, it's an interesting it's an interesting space man do you think do you think that um you'll find other like personas or characters aside from the, the, the asshole that you'll do, like kind of like in that zone or. I, I really don't know. Um, yeah. You know, I have the, my next, um, have, you've worked in bike shops or not? No, I never worked in a bike shop. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the next one, you know, I guess it's, it's more of a teaser than a spoiler. Right. But uh -huh. the, I was like, man, this last, the last, bike shop asshole video I did. I had so much fun. I think it's the best one, but it was cyclists are the worst. And I was like double middle fingers on the yeah. thumbnail. And yeah. they were like this, which I think yeah. kind of looked like guns or something, uh -huh. but it was demonetized. Yeah. Right? I so really I think that it's the middle finger thing. Yeah, oh yeah. So you saw that like, I was asking in the comments and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I yeah. responded to it. We had, we, we had like, I, I had put a comment up there as before I read Oh, it, okay. But, yeah, that's where I saw your yeah. yeah. So I, I really I think, think that is the yeah, thumbnail and not only not only the thumbnail, but you have that in the video as well. Yeah. Several so, times it like comes up. So I, I think I, that 
is really what what the demonetization was for. God, I, I wish I would have. I, I wish I would have met you a week ago, um, <laughs> because I didn't know how to fix it. Right? I didn't yeah. know how to undo that. And so what I did is I re-uploaded the video with a new image in those three spots or four spots. Uh-huh. And so, and that's at like 9,000 views or something right now. And it, the, mm-hmm. the original had like 50 or 45 or something. Thousand. Yeah. So it did pretty well, you know, but like it was, uh, my bike shop asshole was one of the worst. And, yeah. and I think it was just because it was too edgy. Um, but it didn't have to be. So now I just feel like I can't re-upload again because yeah, yeah, my yeah. viewers did not like that. Yeah. You know, people don't like the re-upload thing. They all felt duped. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I messed it up. Like that one should have gone viral because I thought it was the best. But then yeah. again, I also hear from creators all over the place. Every time you think it's your best video, it's going to be nine of 10. Yeah. And yeah, the you... ones that you don't think are that great are the ones that are one of 10. So I have this one video. I've, um, I have this plan that I want to go back and re-edit it, but, um, it, it was from back whenever I start first started my channel and I recently went through and, and kind of like unlisted a bunch of those old videos. And I was thinking about that one, something about the thumbnail and the title that video, although it was a shitty video, like you wouldn't keep people there for like longer than a minute, but the thumbnail and the title, that video had like. 30 or 40,000 views on it. And it yeah. was just like, it, it drew them in. So like, I, I keep thinking about how I can use that thumbnail and that title and then make a new video with that footage and then see what it actually does then. You know well, what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, I think, an interesting experiment. Um, yeah. What would happen if you took a six-year-old video that did well and repackaged it knowing what you know now and exactly. how the YouTube landscape has changed or whatever. Yeah. Just to see if it would work or if the algo would know, oh no, he's just recycling content. We're not falling for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how yeah, that it's works. questionable, man. It's like I don't know what it is. Cause like honestly, the video is not a great video. And mm-hmm. and you can see that in the 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 analytics. Obviously, like people click it, they're like, oh, this sucks, and then they, they go. But it the thumbnail was enough of a pickup line where it was like like 40,000 people were like I'll click it you know and so so if you can turn that in like you I know I have some kind of gold there I just got to figure out how to mint it you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah um, yeah, so. yeah I'm going through that too I mean um a lot of contenters a lot of content creators um will reuse and repurpose old videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not unheard of and you can do a lot with that. Um, my question for you, cause just cause I'm so new to the YouTube thing yesterday, then I was clicking around and I'm like, Oh, you can actually edit the videos in YouTube studio, which makes yeah. total sense. Like what I have been able to just go in and change those three or four sections using you the YouTube add, but you can clip so you can trim things out. So you would have been able to take those like middle finger sections out. Um, I don't know if there's like a blur. There might be a blur that you can add. You could have possibly added a blur. Oh, um, I can't remember, but I, I think there might be. I don't use that. The only time I've used it is like recently I did a video for a new uh, bike that I got. And I made an intro at the beginning of it that was like kind of funny and like teasing my my audience that I was for a long time. I've been known as a Santa Cruz guy. 
and this new bike was not a Santa Cruz. So okay. at the beginning of the video, I like had this like spinner spinner board. It was like animated that like all the options said Santa Cruz, except for once one <laughs> said like something else, you know, and I spun the board and then it's like goes around and, and it stops on Santa Cruz and I'm like, Hey, what do you know? And it's like slowly moving. And then it like clicks over to like something else. And I'm like, this thing's broken, you know? And so it's like this little <laughs> intro that then it like goes to show like, Oh, actually I did get something else. And, um, but when I edit, when I made that video, I made it in a way that I knew after like the initial, like two weeks of, of my subscribers clicking on the video that that intro is not actually interesting to people that don't know me. So mm. I, I made it in a way that the, the real video I could go in and, and, clip that that whole intro out and then it would start and then from there i could change the thumbnail and, and then it looks like something else right so there, there's definitely the ability to do that and i've seen some people also even talk about using that kind of functionality for like maybe some kind of sponsored content where mm -hmm. they make an a, a an agreement where it's like yeah this ad will be in this video but it'll only be in this video to this many views or this much time and then they can go in and trim that ad out and then it's yeah. like something like that but right. yeah i mean there's lots of i mean obviously there's lots of, of tips and tricks and things that that um you learn along the way and and it's good to to you know have some other creators that you can reach out to and and share share inspiration with or whatever and i know for me like that was a it, it helps a lot you know because there's especially when you're starting there's so much that that it's like you may not necessarily get the answer that you're looking for just by like a search but if you could ask somebody that you know that's been doing it at least they can give you their experience yeah you know? yeah yeah totally no you're my yeah. you're my go-to for now <laughs> like, um, i don't know if i like give great advice but i can give advice <laughs> yeah i mean i think most of my questions would be you know um answerable <laughs> at this point yeah 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 um but no i mean yeah, we have a lot in common i think uh in, in many ways as far as like the underlying reasons we're doing this and the passion behind it and that sort of deal yeah and i, I think you know for the most part most of the people that i've met along the way are doing it for all the exact same reasons. Yeah. Like, like there's very few people that are, that are like, um, I don't know how to say it. Like, let's just say like, like, like driven, like I am coming here to start a business and this is all I'm doing. Like, and, and I'm not saying that people aren't doing that, but like, like most of the people that I, I have met, they're actually driven by like the creativity or the like their love for the thing that they're doing and the the business opportunity is like a side effect like mm -hmm. a positive one and it, that could be like a large part of it but it's it's not like the 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 core of, of the reason that they're doing it you know yeah. what i mean so you I mean, don't have another day, like this is uh, what you do. You don't have a job besides this or you do have a job besides? No, i do i definitely do yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I do it um yeah. and i live in california so if I was only doing YouTube, I definitely couldn't live in California. So, yeah, all right. <laughs> at least, the, at least at the 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 way that I'm making money right now. But um, I I think that uh, because I have a, a full time job that that's out like this is my side gig, you know. Mm -hmm. That I think that I could definitely be more successful if I had put if I had the time to put more into it. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. I I closed down 
every winter at, I mean, October 1st to March 31st. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I hardly run the bike mobile, a couple appointments here and there, but yeah. the bike shop, I appointment only, you know, and I see one or two customers a week, but yeah. so I'm not doing anything in the winter usually. Yeah. And somehow I've gotten lucky every winter and had a job or, you know, or, you know, a gig of some sort, um, early on in the bike mobile, I, um, won a couple of grants kind of things. And, you know, mm -hmm. I just got, I've gotten lucky and I didn't know what I was going to do this year until I got lucky on YouTube with that video, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. but this is feeling like it has a potential to be much more, you know? And so yeah, I will definitely. be like totally open to sponsors. Like right away, park tool reached out and, you know, and, um, but they're like, we don't really pay people, but we can help you out. You know, yeah, you can, tools. a lot of people call that flow where they just give you uh product and yeah you know and that's cool so you said totally. you went over there you had a pretty good fun story about uh them and seth i thought thought that would be fun if you oh heard that. yeah yeah so um so minneapolis is a four-hour drive and that's where park tool is right mm -hmm. and actually um, i have a lot of connections in minneapolis but um that's where free bikes for kids started and it was last fall i had um they didn't have an executive director to run their program up there. So I actually worked in Minneapolis for like three or four months last year. Um, love it up there. But my brother-in-law's up there. Um, I love their randoneering club. The MN Randos are great. It's just amazing. They ride all winter. It's like 200 Ks all winter long. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, they ride. It's icy, snowy. They're riding 200 K on the roads. Right. It's nuts. It's so fun. Um, yeah, diehards. But anyway, so I... Um, before it got too cold, because I'm not that tired, <laughs> I wanted to do a ride with them. And just before I was going up there, Park Tool reached out. So I said, hey, um, and Andy is the, the Andy Palmer at Park Tool reached out. And he, uh, we have some mutual friends and I'm like, I'm gonna be up there this weekend, kind of swing by. He's like, sure. So go up there and we we're just talking about, you know, the comments, I think it was, and their customer service, like their the customer service side of their business is really interesting because you get all the DIYers and all the yeah. bike shop guys. So they get it from all different angles. And I'm talking about the commenters and customers and bike shop assholey stuff. And but we we're talking about comments and they they said, yeah, you know, Seth, I think, has like 15 moderators just for his comment section and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who's Seth? <laughs> I had no idea. And then they were like, Burn Peak. And I'm like, oh, and then I knew, you know, but yeah, um, yeah. and now that they said that, and I've been watching YouTube and looking at other content creators to yeah. you know looking at other creators for inspiration that kind of thing seth is everywhere but what a great yeah. guy listen to your whole interview with him the most recent one the yeah. other day while i was putzing around and uh yeah he's doing a lot of things right you know yeah. I, I talk trash about cyclists in general i've been saying it for years like i try to avoid cyclists as much as i possibly can which is super yeah. funny as a bike shop owner but that's right. my ethos um but i've always liked the cut of his gym like you know just a guy who's really into biking. He's really good at riding them. He's good at fixing them. Um, just got a great attitude. So yeah, he's really good at telling a story. Like, I, yeah. like I, I, I've I've joked around in the past that, and this is before he started the uh, second channel. But I I used to always tell people I'd watch that dude like swap a toilet. You know, like like uh -huh. he'd be like, yeah, that's that's a freaking interesting story. Like I I never knew I wanted to switch my toilet. You know, like he's just really really good at breaking things down and telling things that way. It's funny that you say that because the bike farmer name. So that name came about 
Thank, thanks for asking, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had some friends that uh, were from Chicago, and they bought a hobby farm in southern mm -hmm. Wisconsin. Beautiful place. And built it into, it's like agritourism, right? You can, it's an Airbnb, but it's a petting zoo, basically. Mm -hmm. But really, really cool people. And I'm like, so you just kind of like bought this property and then started manicuring it and finding different ways to monetize it you know mm -hmm. camp you know it's a it's a um it's a hip campsite it's an airbnb it's a you know they they make food and sell it you know all these different yeah. revenue streams i'm like that's kind of what i'm doing with bikes because i had the bike mobile and just moved into what i was calling the bike farm and i'm like it's like i'm bike farming you know i've got the mobile yeah. thing I've got the used bikes. I'm a giant dealer. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing all this stuff, you know, and now I have the YouTube channel, right? It's all right. the different ways that you monetize bikes without having to be a cycling store. That's always yeah. been my thing. It's like, I'm just not a retailer guy. Um, yeah. And I've always been really, you know, I look at like Rivendell. I got a Rivendell hat on and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's kind of my world, but yeah, you know, like Grant Peterson in his book um, "Just Ride," um, it's pretty extreme, right? But it's like mm -hmm. anti-racer, anti-cycling, cyclist mm -hmm. stuff, and that's always what I've identified with the most. And I've been able mm -hmm. to do that, but really on a totally different level here because I just see a, you know, lower middle class that's completely alienated by cycling. Anything awesome in cycling is so expensive. Even mountain, yeah. I mean, mountain biking is probably the worst of all of it, but yeah, um, and it's it's definitely like like over the last, even in the time that I've had the channel over the last five years, it's just really doubled down. I I know, I I got out of cycling for a while, kind of like you did, and and got back into it. And when I got back into it in two thousand six, um, my my mind was still in 1990 something whenever I first started mountain biking. Right. So when I first yeah. started mountain biking, like the top of the line giant was a thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, a, and a couple of years in, you know, some, somebody, I think it was Cannondale had some suspension bikes. And, and I remember one of the people in our group bought this bike and it was like $3,000 and everybody in the whole community was like, dude, you could buy cars for that. And everybody's like losing their fucking mind about this guy spending three grand. Right. Yeah, like the super V or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I know uh, the guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, uh, so in 2006, when I decided to get back into biking, I remember walking into the shop and thinking to myself, like, I'm gonna buy a, like a fucking badass bike. I'm gonna spend like $2,000, you know? And I walked into the shop and I was like, Hey, I want to get a mountain bike. And the dude's like, um, well, you want a, like a cross country bike or a, a downhill bike or like a trail bike. And I was like, looked at him like he was fucking high. And I was like, a mountain bike. I still don't know there, the difference between all those things you just said. Yeah. No and then from there it was, you know, um, realizing that, you know, the $2,000 that I thought I was going to spend was, was not going to do it. But back then, I mean, I, I remember telling people like at least you could go out and buy a, a pretty good bike for like 1500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And now that, that $1,500 mark seems to be between like three and five K now, you know, yeah. like, minus like all the crazy sales right now. But that really seems to be mm -hmm. like that, you know, you get into the spot where you're, you're 
like the 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 way the frame is and the you know like it's it, it's going to have hydraulics and it's going to be like like designed in a way that you can upgrade it whereas like if you get below that spot then it's like oh well yeah like these aren't boost wheels or this isn't you know like those wheels have some weird freaking driver on it that you can't change any cassette to you, you know like shit like that so yeah it's crazy that to think about a sport Whereas a kid, it was like buy a BMX bike that costs, you know, 150 bucks has changed into like, if you want to do this, spend $3,000. That's a lot of money for somebody who's like trying to figure it out. You know? Yeah. And I really, um, you know, I feel it around here. Um, you know, my, my customers at Gibbs don't have a lot of money and yeah. uh, there's not a lot of people around here that do have a lot of money. And frankly, like the mountain biking we have is, you know, like pretty four flat, mile. Man. Yeah. I mean, four mile yeah. loops through the county park. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, nothing spectacular. You're not, there's nothing epic around here yeah. at all. I would imagine the gravel scene and the road scene is probably way bigger there. Well, there's, the we don't have biking. gravel roads here either. Yeah. We can talk about the, the road biking here in a, in a minute because it's amazing and nobody knows, yeah. that, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I have, I have a lot of parents that come in and their their kids want to be on the mountain bike team. We do have a mountain bike team at the high school and mm -hmm. there's trails 10, 15 minutes from here where they ride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like, well, how much do you want to spend? And they're like, you know, it's 500 bucks. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you can't. And I have entry level yeah. mountain bikes. I'm like, it's not going to hold up real well. I'm like, but yeah. frankly, chances are this kid's only going to ride it for a year or two anyway. So it's good enough to at least experience mountain biking and toy around with the team. I'm like, but be careful if they like it, you're talking two grand on a bike yeah. and they're going to break yeah. and it's expensive. And so yeah. it's just so exclusive. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, um, you know, I don't mean to dog on, on mountain biking. I know a lot of your um, viewers, oh, you know, I'm not much of a mountain biker, right? Um, but yeah, I just wish that it was a little more accessible. And mm -hmm. I have also been saying for years, just cause I love, I don't know, being antagonistic. Edgy. Yeah, yeah, edgy. Yeah. But hashtag pave the trails. Because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm like, the thing that I don't, I love, I love being in the woods. I love mm -hmm. adventure. And I love bicycles. Why wouldn't I love mountain biking? Mm -hmm. And it's because everything's too steep and punchy and the rock gardens and the ruts. Everything's trying to throw me off the bike. It's, it's mm -hmm. difficult. It's uncomfortable. I can't like there is no time to stop and smell the roses when you're mountain biking. It's like on, 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 go, go, go. Yeah, Which yeah. people are into. I'm not right. I'm, yeah. I'm a road biker. I like it to get lost in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I'm also a golfer and I'm looking at cart paths on golf courses. And I'm like, imagine this going through the woods up and down yeah. and around and like paved. So when Seth put out that video a few weeks ago about those paved trails in Bentonville, I'm yeah. like, holy shit. If you got Walmart money, yeah. That you can pave the trails and you know yeah. and he was like I hate to say it this is awesome you know yeah. and uh so i think that's pretty funny and so i made fun of it in my um my uh cyclists are the worst video which i had to rename now but um and uh but anyway i'm going to bentonville in a couple of months i'm gonna head down there in february and go check it out for myself and, and yeah see yeah i want to get like down it. there i did my wife really go ahead go ahead I was just going to say, I, I had a weekend of mountain biking in Bend, Oregon, um, or Oregon, I guess they say, right? I yeah. say Oregon, they say Oregon, so it's probably Oregon. You can do either. Um, Bend's super and, fun. 
And it was awesome. I mean, just amazing. And mm-hmm. I always felt like, you know, if I was out West and, you know, it was the dominant landscape, I'd be a mountain biker. But here yeah. in Wisconsin specifically, in the Western Wisconsin and bits of Minnesota and Iowa and Illinois, like kind of where everything converges, there's a region called the Driftless. I have a couple of videos about this, but it's where the glaciers stopped. So it's unglaciated landscape and it's super hilly and nobody knows about it. Right. And it's treacherous and a pain in the ass, but it's all farms and mm-hmm. all the roads are paved because of the dairy industry. So the dairy lobby in Wisconsin, so long, you know, well, it's not strong enough to keep America's dairy land. California gets to be America's dairy land now, I guess. Right. Anyway, all these roads are paved. And the only reason to be on them is if you live there and it's all these hundred acre farms, empty roads, perfect hilly. It's the best road biking on earth, I think, but nobody would live here. Nobody would live there like pro cyclists or whatever. Cause it's the middle of nowhere. There's nothing. There's no major yeah. cities. It's there's yeah. nothing, um, but it's probably where I'm going to end up. You know, when yeah. my kids are out of school and everything, I just would love to go buy some land out there, have a shop and just hide out in the hills. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you would think, uh, and I, there are some really great uh, trail systems along the Mississippi River. Um, there uh, is Vernon County, um, but there's a bike shop up there. Oh, what's the name of it? Uh, anyway, I'd love to say it, but get mm-hmm. it wrong. And they raised a ton of money and built some great trails. So there, we do have some great trail systems around. You just got to travel. It's a pain in the butt to get there kind of thing. If, have you, I don't know if you've seen the channel. There's a channel called Kyle and April MTB. And, no, I mean, uh, just in looking back at your podcasts, you know, that you know these. Or, no, the reason I just wanted to mention, because you said that the the pave thing. And the, so Kyle has done some podcasts on his channel as well. And he actually interviews one of the guys that Seth had in the video. That's like kind of the architect for them getting all the trails built and stuff like that. Oh, cool. And and it's really a interesting podcast and he talks about like how you know you could work with your city to like pitch something to like get things to to happen and um it's really interesting because the 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 way that like the perspective that they have there because like granted they they got lucky you know having having um um Walmart there to fund things but they really start talking about you know the cost of let's just say like a park and how much that costs to yeah. build and maintain and stuff like that and versus like putting in some trails and how much like you can get out of that instead it mm-hmm. is really interesting and it's, it's i think you know and obviously i'm biased because i'm a cyclist but like i think there's there's a really good opportunity for a lot of cities to put in bike related things and and successfully like stimulate their economy with it and you're yeah, really absolutely. starting to see it more and more like having a bike park in every city like a little pump track or something like that you're starting to see them pop up more and more and and people are catching on you know yeah yeah the pump track thing is is really neat that same trip to bend that was 15 years ago almost now and it was my first experience with a pump track it was a really cool one um and now they're there's a handful of them in the area and they're all, they're all paved, you know, as a thing. And then I, you look at BMX, that's all paved now, or they think they use kind of a yeah. rubbery thing. And um, so that's, I, I'm like, 
mountain bikers are going to figure it out that it's a whole lot less work to just pave it and not have to be out there grooming all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but true mountain biking, I think, you know, is you get out there and it's like, there's no way you could pave it, you know, yeah. Those are whether, that's the juicy stuff. That's, that's the mountain biking that I've never really experienced. So, um, which I'm sure. Yeah. I love. That stuff's super inspiring. I mean, that's the thing that I really enjoy about where I'm at is like some of the stuff that we do up in, in the high altitude kind of riding it's like it's epic you know it's like mm -hmm. you're up on top of a fucking real mountain a real mountain mm -hmm. you know like yeah. like and the views and the the satisfaction of like getting up there and it's uh it's inspiring you know and that yeah. that is like that's a drug for me you know i really like that feeling of like on my channel i love bitching about climbing and i like to like probably if anything like like make it seem like i hate it more than i actually do you, yeah. you know but at the end of the day like that's the stuff that like when you finish a ride it's the struggle that really makes you feel the sense of accomplishment not the like i smashed down the trail that's the fun part yeah you know? but um so when you yeah. climb you know you go to do your like a high altitude ride someday and you're you're climbing to the top before the good part how long is that climb like distance and time it depends i mean so like it could be like somewhere local i have a, a place called auburn a lot of times we'll start at the bottom to might climb for like seven or eight miles mm -hmm. and and then you know mostly mostly downhill then on the way back um some of the stuff in the high altitude it could be the same thing you where it's like yeah solid you know hour or two to get up to the top of of something and then you know a couple thousand feet yeah 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 definitely yeah. i know I, I had a guy out here that used to have a that, that still runs a channel back east and he came out for something for for his job and i took him up to this spot and i was like all right so we like shuttled up there and we're like okay we're gonna go down and he's like oh how long's the downhill and i was like oh nine miles and he's like huh and i was like yeah yeah it's just like and to me that was like a sh like that's not amazing you know that's like yeah and to him he was just like like yeah, so would, he's like yeah. we gotta be climbing somewhere and i'm like no that's like all down the whole time and he's like that's just crazy you know yeah that's that sounds pretty fun yeah it um, is it definitely is you know so i mean but they're like not every ride is like that you know th those are, are are definitely you know in particular ones like there's a spot downeyville super um popular that's about a 14 or 15 mile downhill and a couple thousand feet of elevation loss there's a little bit of climbing in that one but really minimal like a couple hundred feet so yeah yeah oh, in yeah, Drift, yeah in driftless wisconsin if you start at tyrell basin which is a little ski hill which is actually in a valley um but start at Tyrell Basin at the low point and then ride all the way up to the top of Blue Mound State Park, which is the highest point in Southern Wisconsin. That's like my kind of old neighborhood, but um, it's 960 feet of climbing. Yeah. And I challenge anyone to find 900 plus feet of climbing anywhere in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, it's, it just doesn't exist. So it's pretty cool that we can at least get that. And then you can get a really nice five mile descent then from the top yeah. of the park down the back and but most of it's you know you just climb up four or five hundred feet and then down and find you know and it's just yeah up and up and down. that's all road biking 
Um, yeah. And there'd be no way to really do trails, trail systems through that. Um, but yeah, that sounds like really fun, actual mountain biking. Now, mountain biking yeah. for me, I've ridden in the Alps. I did a, a ride called the Alpen Brevet. I did three Alpen mountain passes in one day. Um, oh, wow. They were, awesome. they were like four or 5,000 foot climbs. So it was a really big, epic 75 mile ride. Um, yeah. Really cool. All on the road. Um, you know, uh, Goldfinger, James, James Bond Goldfinger, that um, mm-hmm. that scene where it's like the switchbacks and they're like shooting up and down the side of the mountain. Yeah. It's the Furka Pass. I rode my bike on that. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. I did another Alpine Pass that trip. I've been to the top of Mount Evans in Colorado. That's 14,000 feet. It's the highest paved road. I rode, yeah. over, I rode over Teton Pass uh, a few years back um, from the Idaho side and then descended down into Jackson hole. That was pretty sweet. They have a ride, a road ride called around the block. That's Uh epic. It's a hundred miles and just everybody should go do that one. I've always wanted to do the one around Tahoe, but just this morning I was like, man, I need to go to Southern California. I got a bunch of friends down there that can visit and ride my bike. I should do that in January. And so I think in a couple of weeks, I'm going to, uh, we have a friend that I think is in Palm Springs right now. So I'd have a home mm-hmm. base. Uh, I think I'm going to ride through Joshua tree. Oh, that'd be cool. In a couple of yeah. weeks. And so that'll, hopefully that'll be my next ride video, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I got the, back to making videos, I guess. Um, uh, I want to build an adventure bike. So I have a, a video where I rode out in uh, the Black Hills of South Dakota this fall. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's a place I could live too. That is, it's yeah. so cool out there. They have everything you want out there. Um, mm-hmm. Really cool. And I was using a 1996 Rivendell all rounder, which you would think Rivendell, it's like this heavy burly steel thing, but it's made with Reynolds 753 tubing, really thin, lightweight, just kind of mm-hmm. an oddball bike. And it's really pretty flimsy for doing like adventure biking. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I do a dabble a little bit in frame building. And so I bought some oversized steel tubes and lugs and I'm going to rebuild that bike, like clone it with heavier duty. Um, yeah. And so I've got that sounds like a really fun series. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it and I've kind of teased it out there in the community section of my YouTube channel and people are into it. Um, and yeah. I, got, I have an old frame jig and some torches and I've got all the tubes and everything ordered. So my best um, advice to you is to film everything and yeah. things that you don't think are like actually meaningful film that too. So like the part of you, like researching what metal to buy or the part of like you actually getting that package and like all of those things that they really, um, they really add into the, the, how well you can tell the story. Yeah. I, um, Unfortunately, I'm pretty far into it already. It's yeah, I hear you. And I want to do that. Like that's like ultimately, but it's like, I would have to film my entire life all the time because I'm always putzing, you know what I mean? And uh, I have to pick and choose my battles too. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, you know, and you may relate to this um, as a creator. So what I've tried to do like this week, um, I think it was last Sunday. I just was down in the bike shop. I'm like, I'm going to do four bikes in a row and film them and then mm-hmm. spend all Monday editing bike 
videos and try to get four videos done and then schedule them out for two weeks. I'm trying to do two videos a week for mm -hmm. two years. That's my goal, mm -hmm. which is crazy, which I'm learning how crazy that is. But schedule it out for two weeks because then I can have time to build that bike and get that footage because mm -hmm. that could be five videos and people mm -hmm. watch part one, you know, but I want to be able to mix other videos in between for people that don't want to watch bike building and they want to watch other things. It's yeah. just really hard to manage all this stuff. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much yeah. It's a lot too. It's a lot of moving parts. And, um, I think that, uh, two videos a week is, 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 uh, is a lot, but it depends on like what your level of editing is, you know, like where we were talking about, I mean, everybody, anybody can do it. I mean, BKXC is a mountain bike, uh, YouTuber. He did three videos a week for a long time. And, and, um, so, I mean, it's definitely possible. It's just like, how much time do you want to spend? You know? Yeah. And, well, uh, that's the thing yeah. is I want to spend two weeks building a bike in my basement and gathering all kinds of footage and then spend two yeah. weeks editing it. Yeah. That's what I'd like to do. But then that's four weeks of no other content. And I, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to get ahead. Um, yeah. and then holidays. Yeah, good. And, uh, well, hopefully, hopefully you, you can do it. I, I know my goal this year is to, um, do one one video a week is what i what i'm really shooting for is yeah. and, and i've told myself that if there's a week where something isn't working right or i know that there's going to be times when that when that's going to be like hard to to accomplish because of like my personal life or whatever and so in my mind those are weeks where i can either put out like a youtube short or uh, maybe I'll just do a live stream or something like that. So I'm giving myself the opportunity not to like, um, like where I have to kill myself. Do you know, right. you know what I mean? But yeah. like, also I'm, I'm really trying to like, I guess the better way to say it, instead of one video a week is like one piece of content a week, you there know? You and, yeah. and that way, um, um, see what happens, you know? Cause I, I've definitely had like years where I've been all over it. And other years where like I didn't do much, and um, like it depends on on like you know what what you're aiming for. I know that I've seen a bunch of Mr. Beast videos where he's like, if you're gonna do one video a week, but every one of those videos is not gonna get a lot of views, but you could do one a month, and that one just kills it, then do one a month. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, right. It, but but I I don't care how many things I've seen on YouTube. It really feels to me that the algorithm likes you more if you do it more. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. It it does kind of seem like that. Yeah. Um, then again, twice I think I've kind of experienced where if you're like doing content, doing content, and then stop for a week or two or two weeks. And yeah. then put a video up it pushes it out like i yeah. think i think the you know despite what youtube says <laughs> yeah. it sure does feel like youtube knows about the dopamine that we're getting as creators too that you were talking right. about earlier and they're yeah. like oh if we want this guy to keep creating we have to push his videos yeah you know there's so, so many parts to it that's like unknown and there's even parts where it's like okay well this is what youtube's saying but that may be like directly like what the algorithm's doing. But there's also like a people aspect of it that's not captured in an algorithm where it's like, 
oh, it could just be that after two weeks, like the people that do follow your content are like, hey, we haven't heard from this guy. And now it's here. Now they're interested. You, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, right. Yeah. Right. So it's like so many like, like, uh, it's just a black box of like, God only knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's definitely some aspects of, of this whole thing where people are like, like, yes, this is definitely how it works, you know? But then there's so much, there's also some of it where it's just like, it's like magic dust, man. And who knows what's happening there? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. 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 I think too, like right now I'm, I'm like, maybe it's too much where, mm. you know, if I'm doing two a week, I might, it might feel spammy. Yeah, you know, or over like, oh, it's just another bike farmer video. What the hell is wrong with this guy? Doesn't he have anything better to do? Yeah. It's like, honestly, no. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think there's some of it. You know, like, I know with some creators that put out a lot of content for me personally, and this is just my own personal, and and I, I know I'm not, you know, everybody. But, like, sometimes then it's like I don't care as much because it's too much content for me to watch. You know, and then I, yeah. then I like, pick and choose whereas like some of the creators that do have a lag time in between let's just say it's once a week right like those ones when that one drops i'm like oh i want to see that but if there yeah. was like three it's like maybe by the time the next week comes out then i'm like still haven't really watched all the other ones and you you get yourself into a especially as you follow more and more channels then it's like there's a lot of content to like get your way through mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah so yeah, I, I have a, a, one of the guitar luthiers that I started watching. He drops a video every Sunday, mm -hmm. and I—that's one that I look forward to, or I get excited every time. Oh, like, yeah. oh a new one! Because his are only yeah. like twenty-five minutes or max, yeah. and they're pretty easy to get through and always interesting. And so that was yeah, yeah. I think a schedule is good, you know, having a, mm -hmm. a set day because humans like patterns, you know. Not this. I day. always try to like follow the same day, and then the day slips and then i'm like that's my new day and then two weeks later that's my new day <laughs> like yeah i'm so like in like it's just the i think it's the add brain in me is just like shiny ball <laughs> I, I mentioned so, yesterday that mondays were like that for me there and mondays were an editing day yeah and then i realized that i would like especially if i dropped the video right before i went to my bowling league then i'm yeah. just like you know, in, yeah. you know, looking at my stats the whole time, I'm worried, more worried about YouTube than bowling. And like bowling yeah. is like, like you can't mess yeah. with bowling, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's funny. How long have you been bowling all your life? No, not all my life. We, we really got into it like in my twenties. Um, uh -huh. And I mean, it was definitely like my drinking team had a bowling problem kind of thing, but we put yeah. together this team and we would bowl a late shift on Thursday nights and did it for years. And we all got really good at it. I mean, I got a 300 yeah. game and league and, like oh, that was awesome. fun yeah and and then we all got old and had kids and well, well but now all our kids are teenagers so yeah. it's like hey let's bowl again that was fun so we meet up every monday night now it's the same guys yeah. and uh yeah it's just a blast you know it's way less partying but um yeah still bowling and talking shit yeah yeah it's fun just and there you know one of well a couple of my like longtime friends like from childhood you know, small town guys. And then one guy yeah. that we met through bowling that's become a close friend. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Bowling, golf, bikes, right. all, all the leisure sports. 
Yeah, right. Well, and I think, you know, it's also an inside thing, so it's real easy to do where you're at all winter. So that, that's, Yeah, that's, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my family accidentally made a, a family tradition of bowling on birthdays. And uh, it was like when my kids were younger, you know, they they would, uh, I, I, I had been divorced. So, you know, part of their time they're at mom's and part of their time at my house. And I always, it was always important for me to like be with them actually on their actual birthday. And yeah. uh, so it would be like, you know, you pick them up from school and maybe it's not, you know, you're not planning a big party or something. It's like, what are we going to do for your birthday? And the bowling alley was always, you know, like, Oops. Excellent. you know, and it's yeah. always like a fun thing for the kids. Cause they always had like, you know, like an arcade and the bowling. So it was like every, like it accidentally turned into like every year it'd be like, Oh, let's go to the bowling alley. You know, it'd be like, yeah. I'd do whatever they wanted to do. And now it's like this thing where it's like, dude, it's your birthday. We got to go bowling. <laughs> so, even my daughter, she's in college. Like this last, last uh her last birthday like we went down to her school and picked her and a couple of her friends up and we went bowling for her birthday it's like and none of us this are any good like if we get over 100 we're like yeah <laughs> you know? but, i've been waiting for you to say something valuable this whole time i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to incorporate that into my life this is the most yeah. valuable part of this whole experience for me <laughs> we're gonna With we're gonna bowl on birthdays yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got to do it. We're, we're going to bowl on birthdays, everybody in the yeah. family, whether you like yeah. it or not. We're going to have fun, damn it. Right. Yeah. Mandatory fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. You know, it's funny yeah, how the, that, things happen, though, you know? Family fun centers. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, I think, also, you know, um, yeah, it just has everything there. So it, it, it's simple. Like, you don't have to be good at it. You can still have fun. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Yeah, yeah, you can just so. sit there and watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and nowadays, I mean, um, they got, you know, the the bumpers that pop up and stuff, like even for little kids. And so it's like it's not like, you know, when I was super young, you either had to like be good enough not to get a gutter ball or you got a gutter ball every time. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like at least they can they can throw those things up and they, you know, that was that. So yeah, it's interesting. Do they have um, duck pin bowling where you're at? No, that's that's out east. That's a yeah. New England thing. I tried that once, and it was hard. That's way yeah. harder than regular bowling. It was like a drunk thing that we would do when I was younger. It was like you would always like, and I talked to people out here in California, and they have zero clue what I'm talking about. Were you so like anybody in Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so people that don't know what duck pen bowling is, it's like the pins are about half the size of normal size pins. And if I remember correctly, the ball's smaller too. Yeah. And so it's like, it's basically like miniature bowling, but the, the lane is still the same and everything else is still the same. It's just like smaller. But and, you get three uh, shots, right? That, yeah. It's been so long since I played. I don't even remember anymore, but and it, it's would, really, yeah, it's hard to clear them with three. Yeah, it's like that. You don't get the pin action that the big heavy pins have, and yeah, yeah it's, it's. I just way remember it'd be like one of those things. Like they used to always do, like at the bowling alley. They probably still doing it, like the rock and roll bowling at night. And it was like mm -hmm. you could go to these certain like like uh, uh, bowling alleys that had duck pin, and it was like you know get get drunk and just whiz these little balls down the the lane. You know, it was like oh, this is fun. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Maybe next time I go home, I'll have to look for a duck pin bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, what kind of uh, uh, riding? So 
that are you into yourself just like a lot of the long distance stuff or yeah so a lot of people um are not familiar with randoneering but that's primarily what i want to do um when i ride and can you explain rand- what that is for people yeah so randoneering started in the late 1800s actually so it's a very very old traditional um long distance cycling uh, started in France and Italy. I can never really remember which is which. But basically, at one point, right after the bicycle was invented, the safety bicycle um, that we all, you know, double diamond frame, the guys are like, man, these are efficient. I bet you I could get like a few hundred miles on one of these things. And their friends were like, no fucking way you can do that. And they're like, yeah, I can. And I'm going to prove it. And so it started with a group of guys that rode. I don't know how many miles, but they stopped at little towns along the way and like bought a beer or a coffee or something and, and grabbed a receipt. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they, they rode out and back and then came back with this handful of receipts. And they're like, we just did it. See, and got all this applause and like newspaper articles were written about this audacious thing that they did. And it's called day style riding. Mm-hmm. And so that's endurance cycling. They were like first at it. Yeah. Well, it because it was in the paper people are like i want to do that i could do it further blah 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 right people are competitive and they started organizing clubs and then doing this together and it's all self-supported um and then eventually guys started racing and that gave us stage racing and in the 20s i think it was the tour de france was born out of um this but then everybody likes racing better right but nobody really knows about it but randoneering is long distance so it's Primarily, it gets really complicated and kind of weird, but basically it's 200K, 300K, 400K, 600K, all building up to 1200K. So like four days of riding and you have to do it in under a certain amount of hours. So like 200K, they give you, I think, 12 and a half hours to do it. I don't know, it's got to be so 14 hours, 20 miles, something like that. 128 ish, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, yeah. 125 miles. And, and how many they hours? give you plenty of time to do it if you get slow, but it's all self supported. So there's no sag or anything. And um, so that's why randoneering bikes often have bags on them because you're carrying tools and stuff with you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all day on a bike and you never know if it's going to rain and this and that. So we have fenders. And then um, the longer ones, 300K and 400K you're usually riding at night because it takes mm-hmm. so long. And so that's why we have dynamo hubs and lighting and all this stuff. Right. And the bikes mm-hmm. are um, older and um, kind of based. A lot of the bikes are built. Um, that's part I like about it. Like I'm a mechanic first and a cyclist second. Right. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm attracted to randoneering because of the bikes. This is really cool. Like people get really creative with how to be comfortable on a bike, how to be efficient. And like, mm-hmm. you see people reading up, riding a lot of like Trek Domani's, you know, like these kind of endurance carbon bikes now, but most of the bikes are steel, um, you know, wider tires. They're gravel bikes long before gravel biking was a thing. You know, random area mm-hmm. bikes are all road bikes. Um, yeah, it's really neat. And the um, what's interesting about randoneers is they're all hyper individ- hyper individualistic people. Like they're mm-hmm. not, in my mind, they're often eccentric, really smart. Uh, a lot of them are rich. You know, they've made software companies and sold them. You hear that all the time out there. A lot of IT guys and computer programmers, doctors, um, this kind of thing. Um, 
And for me, like, I hate rules. I hate all that structure. But random drink is the, has the dumbest, most structured rules and things. Like, you have to stop at gas stations and get a little card stamped. Now mm-hmm. they let you do it. Like, since COVID, you can just bring your GPS and record your ride and prove that you did it. But we used mm-hmm. to have to go in and like, get cards stamped and, like, mm-hmm. brevet cards are called. And, um, but there's a structure to it. And then there's awards. And, of course, you have to buy your own medals and that kind of thing if you want to. But I tell yeah. you what, after you ride it, I call it 400K. Somebody else called it the 72-ounce stake of cycling. Yeah. 400K, especially in the driftless with all those hills, and they're steep hills. If mm-hmm. you can do a 400k driftless ride, you can do anything. And I've done it yeah. twice. Um, now, I've never done any of the really long ones, the super random or super boobie, whatever they call them, mm-hmm. the 1200k's. The multi day stuff, a lot of times it's just about how little sleep you can get by on. That yeah. kind of gets a little dumb for me. It's a little too extreme. Yeah, frankly, some of those like, guys are freaking hardcore. I watched this documentary about these dudes that were just trying to get across the U.S. as fast as they could. and it's like, That was the insane. Amount time, the amount of time that they spend in the saddle and like, I just don't even understand how you can like perform physically like that for that long, you know? Yeah, that's like next level. Now there are randomers like, so I was just about to say like, you know, I've, I've been sober now for 12 years and like I was definitely a party guy. Like I wasn't like an everyday drinker, but I just mm-hmm. drink and drink and drink and drink. And randoneering is like binge biking, you know, like binge yeah. drinking or binge biking and like yeah. get like these hangovers from it or whatever. And that's why I don't like the multi-day thing. It feels like going on a bike bender or something. And it's yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. But I've seen it happen where people get into randoneering. That's yeah. not enough. And then they end yeah. up doing these like those ram rides that are yeah. like, let's see if I can ride across the country in three days. You know, and yeah. it's like, man, you know, and they're like seeing things, you know, hallucinating yeah. There's a little bit of that in randoneering. Yeah. It's like, that's just not good for anyone. Uh, Those but, touch points, though, in spending that much time on a road bike is just like, for people that that follow me that are primarily mountain bikers and not road bikers, it's crazy the amount of pain that you can feel in your body riding 50 miles on a road bike versus a uh, 25-mile ride on a mountain bike. It's like totally different in, in such different ways where... Even when, I, like, I, I have a, a gravel bike that I, I put some road miles on a lot. And um, um, if I'm not on that bike for, let's just say I don't ride it for a month. But I'm still, like, smashing rides on my mountain bike, you know, four, five, six days a week. That first ride back on that gravel bike, man, my wrists, my, like, even my, my touch points on my saddle where I'm still sitting on a saddle five days a week riding. You know, it's like, yeah. but it is just like, it you get home and you feel like somebody like, 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 like hit you with a car. Yeah. Um, it took me at least one season, maybe two seasons of serious road miles, serious rides to dial in the fit of my bike, my, Mm -hmm. my main brevet bike. And now I kind of know, and I touch on it in some of my videos. Um, but we use leather saddles, you know, because the hammock, you know, Brooks leather, you know, that hammock style saddle in the long, you know, I can be on the bike for, you know, 20 hours and I'm fine now. Yeah. And you gotta, I mean, just the smallest little adjustments to my cleats, just like a yeah. half degree angle makes all the difference in the world at mile 140. You know, yeah. it's, it's really an interesting way as a mechanic, it, um, that problem solving and design of the bike and really being that in tune with the machine 
that's where I get excited about cycling. And it's a, I don't yeah. expect anybody to be there with me, but that's I how it is for me. Just having that much time, like it's very easy to pinpoint like, like uh, when I first started riding road, the first thing I, it's pretty flat in Sacramento itself. So I, I bought a single speed bike and I was like, I'm just going to ride to work and back. It was like a 15 miles each way. And in, in my mind, it was like, oh, just like, it'll be some extra cardio. I can drink a couple more beers during the week. And, uh, you know, it, no. it, it's time in the saddle. Like, it'll be good. Right. And it's just like little things where it's like, oh, I want to put my hand like this the whole time I'm riding. So then it's like, oh, well, then I need to like, you know, get a bar that does that. You know, I'm yeah. like when I first started, I was on like the single speed that I had bought didn't have drops on it. So it was like, okay, I'm going to buy some drop bars. And it's like, yeah. just having that extra hand placement, you're like, oh, wow. And then it's like, you know, after a while, you're like, man, this brake needs to be moved in just a little teeny tiny bit because it always feels like a little weird, you know? And it's like the, the time that you have to think about what sucks. <laughs> is <definitely laughs> totally. You're like, yeah. yeah, my seat is definitely needs to be not where it's at right now. <laughs> but once yeah. you get it dialed, it's like you said, it's just like, Oh yeah, man, I can do this all day long now. Now it's I was actually, I was able to make a couple of videos about it, but I built had a custom road bike built for myself. So go check those videos out if you're into like bike design and, and addressing those issues. Because going into that one, I had already done all the problem solving. I basically built the same bike as a, that I already have, just a little different. Mm -hmm. And it was unbelievable. Like I, that first ride, I got on it, and I'm like, yes, I nailed it. I know what I'm doing. Finally, yeah. you know, like. Yeah it's good and I, I did have to you know tweak the bars a little bit and i really yeah. haven't tested it i'm hoping to get down to austin in february and put 300k on it and really yeah. see it the whole idea for me is to get that bike to disappear from underneath me i don't want to yeah. know it's there like yeah. absolutely disappear and just make it float and just all day just floating hovering whatever 18 yeah. inches off the ground all day long you know that's that's another one of my goals for this year i want to do a 100 mile ride i haven't done 100 miles on the that bike or that yeah. style of bike yet so i tell you like, what you get some like renee or say tires on that gravel bike you know some mm -hmm. really extra supple soft um plump road tires yeah and that's as fast as any road racing bike I yeah mean, it's all you yeah. ever need it's all about the tires i am convinced the number one upgrade or at least for road bikes then probably yeah. mountain bikes too you want to go faster you want to be more comfortable anything tires just look at your tires and yeah. pressure and dial it yeah. in for whatever you like, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got a new new titanium um, gravel bike this year, and and I'm mm. still trying to get my fit exactly dialed on it. But overall, um, it's just it, every time that I, I start putting more road miles in, I just keep thinking about doing that ride. And and I uh, do it, do it. Yeah, I just don't, you know, what, what happens for me is, is like the time to do it is impeding on my mountain bike time so i'm always like mm. ah i don't want to do it but i think this year i'm gonna make it like an actual goal and yeah. um I'll, I'll do i'm i'll definitely do a video on it as well and and um yeah we'll see how it goes dude it's been two hours man yeah totally it was a great five, combo five. yeah i really really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me and and all the the followers and anybody that um has not been familiar with your channel. Now they can go over there and check it out. I always like to ask people though, before they leave, like what their favorite YouTube channels are. And you've talked about a bunch of them already, but um, you, you got anything that, that comes to mind? 
Oh man. Um, what are my favorite YouTube channels? God, I, I shouldn't, I should have been prepared for this. Um, <laughs> What have I been watching a lot of lately? Well, I've been watching your um, podcasts. Uh, I guess I've been letting those play. And I mean, I kind of been doing them out of um, yeah. YouTube, but um, I still watch the Luthiers. Um, yeah. Bob Ross, Joy of Painting. Seriously, I, yeah. I try to get a nap in every afternoon. It's like meditation <laughs> for me. Um, not a lot of cycling stuff, you know, mm -hmm. just because that's my whole world. Um the, the um, risk well okay so today I, i'm not going to have any time today like i don't I, this is like the busiest day i've had in forever um but wristwatch revival seriously like i love that guys and like he's just, the production is so good and he's got a new one out a really complicated like chronograph watch so i'm looking forward to watching him take that apart and put it back together right um, on, man. yeah totally different stuff i i'm kind of all over the map so yeah i always like to ask that question because you never like there's a bunch of stuff that people watch that have nothing to do with bikes. That is really fun, good content. So um, yeah, I, I've definitely got turned on to a lot of good, good channels over the years from, uh, from asking that question though. So one that like I, I said, haven't watched in a while, but I should watch this guy just for inspiration for my asshole videos. And that's probably where I get the asshole character from is a regular car reviews. Oh yeah. Go check out regular car reviews. I oh, mean, right he is such a good writer and I mean, it's, the filthiest potty humor you've ever heard. It's just, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, a proper yeah. Christian or something, it's not for you, but like, <laughs> God, that guy's great. Um, All right. So yeah, don't we have to I check know. him out, man. Well, I appreciate you sitting down chatting with me. Anybody that hasn't checked out uh, his channel, check out bike farmer on YouTube and uh, go over there and, and give it a, give it a look. And um, while you're at it, if you, if you're here and you're listening to this on YouTube, Throw the thumbs up on there and the subscribe. That that'd be good for me. And go over there, hit the subscribe button over there for him as well. It definitely uh, makes us creators feel motivated about what we're doing. And um, outside of that, I want you guys to remember one thing: it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.